Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show and the Phil Harris Show, and another episode of the Jack Benny Show, our triple stack. Um, tonight we have some great episodes for you, starting out with uh, an episode where Jack's buying an umbrella stand. So I think that's kind of a unique um, topic for Jack, and I always like when we have a fresh episode, so I think you'll enjoy this. Following that, we have Phil, and on the Phil Harris Show, it's about an $800 kiss. Now, I don't know what kind of a, a kiss for $800, but it has to be a pretty good kiss, I would think. Then after that, for our third show of the night, we jump back to 1943, and we capture a guest appearance with Oscar Levant. Oscar Levant, I'll talk all about him when that show comes up, but he's a wonderful performer, and if you enjoy that show and you enjoy Oscar Levant, you might want to tune in over on a Judy Garland podcast. It's called uh, Judy Garland and Friends OTR Podcast. Uh, once a week, I run three different shows back-to-back, a triple stack over there as well. It's on Tuesday nights, and it is the Bing Crosby Show and the Jimmy Durante Show plus the Al Jolson Show. All from 1947, all from the week we're in, of course, of the, for the year. And for the uh, Al Jolson Show, every week he has as one of his stooges, I guess you could say, is Oscar Levant. And Oscar Levant does a brilliant job over there. It's fun to listen to him every week. I would say that that triple stack is my favorite podcast to do every week, week in, week out. It's just you never know who there's going to be guest stars on different shows. Uh, Bing will feature, you know, Lucille Ball or Burns and Allen. And, of course, Jimmy Durante might have Bob Hope on his show. And then Jolson might have Judy Garland. I mean, you just never know what you're going to get. But it's fun to listen to, and if you are going to listen to one of my shows over there, I'd probably suggest you listen to that one. Anyway, uh, without further ado, we'll get into my old podcast, because I thought it did a good job talking about um, Bob Hope from last week, being on the Jack Benny show, and then uh, we'll go into the show. So, enjoy. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1952-1953 season of the Jack Benny Show. I hope you tuned in last week for Bob Hope's appearance. It didn't come till late in the show, but it was definitely worthwhile. One of the first things he says, as Jack acts like he's surprised that he's there, is Bob says, yeah, after two rehearsals, and then I finally had to bring in my writers, then you're surprised, something to that effect. And that's could be very true. Um, Bob Hope often did take his writers with him to movies, television, um, radio, to redo scripts, because very few people can write the rapid-fire machine-gun dialogue that Bob Hope is used to uh, doing in so many jokes in a row. It burns out a lot of writers. In fact, Bob Hope would go through a lot of different writers, whereas Jack style is completely different from Bob's style. It's all the humor is based on his character. Uh, when he goes on a show to do a guest job, a guest hosting uh, of a show or a guest spot on a show, 
the writers pretty much can just write um, jokes about how cheap he is, jokes about his toupee, jokes about the Maxwell, jokes about his age, and they're pretty good to go. You can, most writers could write an easy five, ten minute bit with Jack. Now, um, and even if you didn't, even if you were lousy and you messed up, Jack could cover up for it so well. Jack would make jokes about how bad the script was or, or how, um, look at this, um, if he's on the Bing Crosby show or something, Bing tells me he's got a great script and for me to come on over and, and we'll have a good time and, he'll, and I'll get so many jokes and of course I get lines like this and, and then the audience just cracks up because uh, Jack was great whether he had good material or bad material, Jack was always good uh, in the same way that Johnny Carson can dance around good or bad material and come out just fine. A lot of people can't do that, but Jack definitely could. The other thing is, his characters are so well established. Dennis Day, um, Phil Harris, uh, Don Wilson, Mary Livingston, Rochester, they could all go on different shows and writers could write for them because their characters were so well established that it wasn't a big stretch. Um, certainly, uh, Phil Harris would joke a lot about the fact that when he would guest star on shows, he was always written as dumber than he was on his own show. He was always written as more of a drunk than he was on his own show. Uh, he was always written as more of a womanizer than he was on his show or Jack's show because they would take it to extremes, and certainly Dennis was written as a real stupid kid <laughs> in his guest appearances. But it's just neat that the characters were so well established that anybody could write for them. There's not many um, folks that can do that. A lot of folks had to carry their own writers with them to write uh, their bits for them. Certainly Red Skelton wanted his own bits and it depends on how much you control you want, I suppose, too. Anyway, enjoy tonight's episode. We'll see you next week. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. You know, friends, nothing, no, nothing beats better taste. And remember... Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting, fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike, Lucky Strike. Friends, I think you'll agree that smoking enjoyment depends on the taste of your cigarette. For nothing, no nothing beats better taste. And Lucky's taste better, cleaner and fresher and smoother. You see, Lucky's better taste starts with fine, mild, good-tasting tobacco. Remember, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. But equally important, Lucky's are made better to taste better, made round and firm and fully packed. That's why Lucky's draw freely, smoke evenly, and give you a cleaner, fresher, smoother taste. So, friends, get the one thing you want most in your cigarette, better taste. On your next trip to the cigarette counter, be happy, go Lucky. Ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. You'll find... Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike! Lucky Strike! The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson.
Ladies and gentlemen, last night Jack Benny gave a party at his home for his sponsor. It's now the morning after, and we find Rochester with the aid of his boyfriend, Roy, cleaning up the house. I, I was too tired last night to get all these dishes, Roy. Yeah, there sure is a pile of them this time. Well, it was a pretty big affair. The president of Lucky Strikes was out here, and since he's leaving for New York today, Mr. Benny gave him a farewell party. Again? Yeah. Every time the sponsor comes out to talk business, Mr. Benny gives him a farewell party. Well, why is that? To keep the sponsor from giving him a farewell party. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's finish these dishes. Uh, how many people were here last night? Nineteen. Well, that's funny. I only counted 18 dinner plates. Mr. Phyllis was here, and he's not a food man. <laughs> Everybody was here. Mr. Benny's cast, writers, musicians. Or were his neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman here? No, they were invited, but they couldn't come. They both had colds. Well, isn't that unusual for both of them to have colds at the same time? No, they sat out in the rain all night to get them. <laughs> now, let's go and clean up the living room. Okay. You dust off the furniture, I'll empty the ashtrays. Uh, shall I dust off the piano? And the piano player, too. He's been there since New Year's Eve. <laughs> Now, Roy, you keep on with the dust, and I gotta look for something. Okay. Now, let's see. It ought to be around here somewhere. No, it's not under the chair. It's not behind the sofa, either. It's not in any of the corners. There, that takes care of the piano. Hmm. It's not under the coffee table. You know, Rochester, whenever I see Mr. Benny, he seems so dignified. How is he at a party? Does he ever let his hair down? What do you think I'm looking for? <laughs> well, maybe we'll find it when we empty the vacuum cleaner. Uh, good morning, Rochester. Good morning, boss. Uh, good morning, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Roy. Say, Rochester, wasn't that a swell party I gave last night? Yes, sir. I thought the caviar was wonderful and the vichyssoise just right. Uh, boss. The baked pheasant under glass was done to perfection. Uh, boss. I thought some of the guests preferred the breast of guinea hen. Boss, you can't fool Roy. He washed the dishes. <laughs> no. By the way, Rochester, did Miss Livingston call? No, sir. She said she would. I'm supposed to go to an auction with her. Well, she didn't. Uh, there weren't any calls at all. You mean Frank Remley didn't call up to apologize? No, sir. Hmm, I thought that by now he would have slept it off and called me. Well, maybe he's waiting for you to apologize to him. After all, he didn't want to leave the party. You made him go. Well, certainly I made him go. If I told Frankie once, I told him a thousand times. It's not funny when he grabs his guitar, jumps on Don Wilson's back, and yells, Look at me, I'm Roy Rogers. <laughs> it was embarrassing. Oh, it wasn't so bad. Not only that, but did you ever hear such lyrics to Mademoiselle from Armentier? <laughs> I never heard such off. See who that is, will you, Rochester? Yes, sir. By the way, Roy, I really appreciate your coming over to help Rochester with the cleaning. Oh, that's all right. Rochester's my friend. 
I know, but I want to give you this money to show my appreciation. Well, thank you, Mr. Benny. You know I'm out of a job, and it's hard for two people to get along on unemployment insurance. Two people? I didn't know you were married. I'm not. I have to keep lending money to Rochester. <laughs> yeah, I can't understand it. I pay Rochester a nice salary. What does he do with his money? Well, almost every year you go to England. And to celebrate, Rochester throws a little party here which puts him in debt. Oh. So while I'm away, Rochester throws a party here. How long does the party last? That depends on how long you stay in England. <laughs> The party lasts for two months? Plus six days if you come back by boat. <laughs> Look, Roy. Next time, why don't you fly back and join us? <laughs> hmm. I'll have to have a talk. Oh, Rochester, who was at the door? It was Dennis Day. He's waiting for you in the den. I wonder what he wants. Boss, I think Mr. Day wants to show his appreciation for being invited to your party. He's carrying a beautifully wrapped package that looks like a gift. Well, that's nice. I'll go talk to him. Gee, I wonder what Dennis could possibly have brought me. I always thought he was a silly kid, yet he's the only member of my cast to show his appreciation. Hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. Gee, it's nice of you to come over. Thank you. I just came by to tell you how much I enjoyed your party last night. I'm, I'm glad that you invited me. Well, you're certainly welcome, kid. By the way, Dennis, um, what have you got in that package? Oh, nothing. Oh, come on, kid. Don't be a tease. What's in the package? Nothing. Now, Dennis, the package is gift wrap, and it looks so pretty. What's in it? Nothing. All right. If you don't want to tell me, at least give me a hint. Well, it's something a famous person once wore. Something a famous person... Look, I'm no good at guessing games. What's in the package? Nothing. Oh, yeah, give me that package. I'm going to open it. Well, okay. Here... Hmm. Dennis, this package is empty. I know. Well, Dennis, why in the world would you carry around an empty package? Well, that way, when somebody asks me what's in it, I can tell them the truth and still drive them nuts. <laughs> well, that's about the craziest thing I... Wait a minute. You told me that the package contains something that a famous person once wore. That's right. Who? Lady Godiva. <laughs> Try out my song now? Do anything. Just don't talk to me anymore. Okay. That kid drives me nuts. Till I waltz again with you Let no other hold your all come true You'll be waiting for my arms Till I kiss you once again Keep my love locked in your heart Darling, I'll return and Though it may break 
song, Mr. Benny? Aren't you going to talk to me, Mr. Benny? Gee, I'm sorry I got, mad, got you mad. I won't do it again. Gee, honest, I was only trying to have a little... Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Mary. You're a little early. Come on in. No, you come on up for a minute, Jack. I want to show you something. Show me something? Yeah, come on. What is it, Mary? Well, can't you see? Mary. Mary, that new car. Is it yours? Uh-huh. Gosh, Mary, what a beautiful convertible. Congratulations. Well, thanks. Gee, a, a car like that costs about $5,000. That's right. Wait a minute, Mary. How can you afford a car like this? Well, after all, Jack, I've been working for you for 20 years. I know. So last week I went out of the bank, drew out all the money I saved, bought a raffle ticket, and won the car. <laughs> Gosh. You see, Mary, I told you, stick with me and you'll do okay. <laughs> Boy, what a car. Uh, look. Look how big the luggage compartment is. Gee, it certainly is roomy and... Wait a minute, I don't see any spare tire. Well, the car didn't come with a spare tire. Well, of all the nerve. That's awful. What do you want me to do, go get my dollar back? <laughs> no, but next time you buy a raffle ticket, read it carefully. That way you won't get stuck. <laughs> hey, come here, Jack. I want to show you something else. Here, look at this. It's the latest thing. What is it? It's an automatic dimmer. When you're driving along at night and other cars coming toward you, their lights hit this little gadget and it automatically dims your lights. Gee, that's not so new. I've got the same thing. Jack, it's not the same thing. What? When another car passes your Maxwell, the wind blows your lights out. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> Let's go in the house. <laughs> And then we'll go, we'll go to the auction. 
Say, Mary, what is it you're so anxious to bid on over there? Oh, nothing in particular, but sometimes you can pick up some very nice antiques. Oh, well, let's go in. I'll get my coat. Okay. Oh, look, Mary, there, there's Mr. and Mrs. Coleman out on the porch. And Sherwood, their English butler, is serving him tea. Oh, yes. Hello, Ronnie. <laughs> Hello, Benita. <laughs> Hello, Sherwood. I don't know why he had to catch a cold. He wasn't even invited. <laughs> Let's get in the house. Mary, when we get to that auction. Oh, hello, I Mary. Dennis. Jack, you didn't tell me Dennis was here. I know, I know. He's not speaking to me. Why, Dennis? What'd you do this time? I'll tell you what the silly kid did, Mary. Comes over here with a package under his arm that looks like a present for me, makes me waste my time guessing what's in it, then when he opens it, it's empty. <laughs> Dennis, shut up! Gee, Mr. Benny, I'm sorry I made you mad. I guess it's no use. I, I better go. Goodbye, Mary. Bye, Dennis. Goodbye, Mr. Benny. Goodbye. That I'll say to you. <laughs> now go already. Oh, say, Dennis. What? I, I want you to offer my congratulations to your brother. I read in the paper that he's going to marry Anne Blythe. Yeah, that's right. But, Dennis, there's one thing that I don't understand. Your brother's name is McNulty and your name is Day. Why is that? Well, you know how it is, Mary. When you get into professional life, sometimes you change your name. Oh, so you changed yours. No, he changed his. He didn't want people to know I'm his brother. <laughs> See, Mary, it pays not to talk to her. <laughs> oh, stop, Jack. Uh, tell me, Dennis, when's the wedding? In a couple of months. Everybody's going to be invited. It's going to be a big wedding with ushers and bridesmaids and everything. Who's going to be the best man? My mother. <laughs> I told her not to talk to But I had to talk to I told you not to, didn't I? Wasn't I right? Huh? But I wouldn't listen to it, would I? Dennis. I don't know when to do Dennis, I think you better go. Yeah, okay. Goodbye. Just can't figure that kid out. Ireland itself is such a lovely place. I don't know why I invited him to my party anyway. Oh, uh, by the way, Jack, why wasn't Bob Crosby here last night? Oh, Bob? Oh, he's making a personal appearance at the Sahara Hotel in Las Vegas. Gee, I hope he calls me. Why? I gave him a quarter to put in the slot machine for me. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably hear from him, you know. Oh, Mr. Benny. Yes, Rochester. There was a phone call for you while you were outside. Who was it, Bob? Bob, 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 Bob Crosby? Bob? No, no, no. Was it Bob, Mr. Bob, Bob? Bob. Uh, Bob Crosby, Bob? Oh, uh, Mr. Wilson. Oh, Wilson. He, he wants you to call him right back. He's in Studio A at CBS. Okay, I will. Excuse me, Mary. So what if I lose the quarter? Who cares? Hello, CBS, the star's address. Oh, hello, Gertrude. This is Jack Benny. Will you please ring Studio A for me? It's busy right now. Will you hold on? Okay. 
say Mabel. What is it, Gaitrude? It's Jack Benny on the line. Yeah, I wonder what the schmo of Kilimanjaro wants now. <laughs> he wants I should get him Studio A, but it's busy. You know, Gertrude, I haven't seen Jackie since I was out with him and Mr. and Mrs. Jimmy Stewart on New Year's Eve. Yeah. But I don't know why he took you out instead of me. After all, he knows me longer. Say, that's right. You knew him before you came to CBS, didn't you? Certainly. I met him years ago at Ciro's. Uh, Ciro's? Were you the cigarette girl? No, I was parking cars. <laughs> Believe me, Mabel, you and Jack made a lovely couple New Year's. Only, you should wear your hair loose hanging down, not piled up on top of your head. Well, why? Well, um, with your ears, it looks like you're waving at somebody. <laughs> Look who's talking. I remember once at a masquerade party, you painted a face on each of your ears and came as the Andrews sisters. <laughs> anyway, I think you're just jealous because Jack took me out on New Year's Eve. Why should I be jealous? I was with that big, handsome football player. Oh, yeah. You know, Gertrude, I was kind of surprised to find out that he was still in high school. So was I. Uh, he's old enough to go to college, ain't he? He must be. He's got a son at UCLA. <laughs> Gertrude, Gertrude. Uh, just a minute, Mr. Benny. I can get your studio A now. Hello? Just a second, Mr. Wilson. Mr. Benny's calling you. Go ahead, Mr. Benny. Hello, Don? Yes, Jack. Don, did you call me before? Yes, I'm here with the Sportsman Quartet, and we're rehearsing a number that might be very good for your television show next Sunday. What'd you say, Don? I said we're rehearsing a number that might be very good on your television show next Sunday. What was that, Don? Hey, fellas, I think the old man's getting a little hard of hearing. I heard that, Don Wilson. <laughs> and don't call me an old man. Now, what's the name of the number you said would be good on my television show next Sunday? It's Glowworm, Jack. Would you like to hear it? Over the phone? Sure. At least you can get an idea of it. Well, do you have any musical accompaniment there? Yes, Remley's still on my back. <laughs> oh, good, good. Let's hear the number. Oh, Mr. Benny. What is it, Gertrude? Excuse me for listening in, but our switchboard's so busy. Can't you hear the song some other time? Well, this won't take long. But there's so many calls coming through, and we don't have any open lines. Look, this will only take a few seconds. Don, tell the boys I want to hear the number. Okay. Take it, fellas. Thank <laughs> you. 
you better stop now. Boys, Mr. Paley wants to use the phone. Boys, phone. Boys, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What happened? The quartet wanted me to hear the song Mr. Paley was trying to get on the phone. It was the whole clam bay. <laughs> well, come on, Jack, let's go. The auction starts at 2.30 sharp. Okay, let's get going. <laughs> Gee, Mary, they sure seem to have a load of junk in these auction galleries. Don't they? Jack, it's not junk. Most of these things are valuable antiques. That's why so many people are here to bid on them. Uh, can I show you folks around? You still have a few minutes before the auction starts. Yes, I wish you would, but 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 you don't sound like the type of person I'd expect to find working here. Uh, you're right, lady. <laughs> See, I'm just here taking my brother's place. He's not here on account of jury duty. Oh, your brother's on a jury? No, the jury did its duty and gave him 20 years. <laughs> hmm. Uh, tell me, clerk, what are all these rings in this glass case? Oh, them rings? Uh, well, they all figured in great romances in history. You see, the one at the center is the ring Mark Antony gave to Cleopatra when they got engaged. Well, <laughs> 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 uh, what's, what's the inscription on it? Oh, that's Latin. It says, Hoc Victor Semper Novitium. <laughs> what, uh, what is... <laughs> what does it mean in English? Oh, you kid. <laughs> Gosh, imagine that. Say, what's this peculiar-looking thing? Oh, that's a very interesting <laughs> piece of art. It, it's an umbrella stand made out of an elephant's leg. Well, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard of. Who in the world would want an elephant leg? A three-legged elephant. <laughs> well, you'll find very few of them bidding for it today. An elephant leg. That's without a doubt the most useless thing I ever heard of. Elephant leg. Attention, please. Attention. Will you all please find seats? The auction is about to begin. Uh, uh, let's sit here, Jack. Okay. Now, the first item on the agenda is this unique umbrella stand made out of the leg of the favorite elephant of the Maharaja of Suti Juldi. Now, who will open the bidding on this priceless curio? I'll bid a hundred dollars. Mary, did you hear that? How could anyone, how could anyone bid a hundred dollars on that piece of junk? Jack, you don't like it, but some people do. Now, keep quiet. I have a hundred dollars. Do I hear more? A hundred and ten. hundred and ten. That's stupid. All right, all right. By the way, Jack, I meant to tell you, I ran into Bob Hope last night. A hundred and ten. A hundred and ten. A hundred and ten. Do I hear more? Bob Hope, how is he? Fine, but he seemed a little upset that you hadn't sent him his check for appearing on your program last week. But Mary... A hundred and ten. A hundred and ten. Do I hear more? A hundred and fifteen. But, Mary, I wasn't supposed to pay Hope for appearing on my show. We exchanged guest shots. A hundred and fifteen is bid. A hundred and fifteen is bid. Do I hear more? A hundred and twenty dollars. 
Well, Jack, Bob didn't understand it that way. He thought he was going to get paid his regular guest fee for going on your show. I'm bid 120 for this elephant's leg. 120, 120. Do I hear more? Well, Mary, what is Bob Hope's regular guest fee anyway? $5,000. $5,000? Sold to the man who just bid $5,000! Congratulations, sir. Here's your elephant leg. <laughs> May I have your check, please? Me? I didn't bid on that. I wouldn't pay $5,000 for an elephant's leg, would I, Mary? You wouldn't pay $5,000 for your own leg. <laughs> You're darn right I wouldn't. Come on, let's get out of here. Jack will be back in just a moment, but first, a word to cigarette smokers. Nothing, no nothing beats better taste. And remember... Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For lucky strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting, fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky strike, lucky strike. Friends, it stands to reason. The cigarette for you to smoke is the one that tastes better. Because when all is said and done, nothing, no nothing, beats better taste. And Lucky's taste better, cleaner, fresher, and smoother. You'll agree once you try them. And here's why. Lucky's better taste really begins with fine tobacco. Most anyone can tell you, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, light, naturally mild tobacco with a wonderful aroma and even better taste. And Lucky's also taste better because they're made better. They're round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly, to give you a cleaner, fresher, smoother smoke. So get the better taste that fine tobacco and a better-made cigarette can give. When you buy cigarettes, ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. Oh, boss, you're back. Yes, I'm back, I'm back. What's that you're carrying? An elephant leg. <laughs> I got stuck with it at the auction. Finally had to argue, and I had to give the man $130 for it. Here. Boss, what do you want me to do with it? Put it on and kick me. <laughs> Good night. Poops! Not so soon! <laughs> Good night, everybody. Jack Benny program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Tackerberry, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. The Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. Stay tuned for the Amos and Andy show, which follows immediately on the CBS radio network. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents Transcribe, the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show. The 
your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Phil Harris may have a few faults, but one of them is not laziness. When something needs doing, he'll do it, whether he's asked to or not. He's not always a great help, but more about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. At home or away, you'll have a world of entertainment at your fingertips when you own RCA Victor's smart new super personal radio. It's the handiest portable radio you can buy, no bigger than an average book. And it's so lightweight and compact, you can take it anywhere with ease. And tiny as it is, you'll find that with its room size volume and big radio tone, it's a match for much larger portables. But the advantages of RCA Victor's super personal portable radio don't end there. With new RCA Balanced Life batteries, it plays longer, up to 10 times longer than previous small portable radios. And its new battery lifesaver switch can add even more playing hours by letting the batteries loaf in strong signal areas. Enjoy music and your favorite radio shows wherever you go. Select RCA Victor's tiny new super personal portable for yourself or as a gift. It comes in a choice of six stunning colors and it's priced at only $29.95 plus batteries, slightly higher in the far west and south. See and hear RCA Victor's long, long playing super personal portable radio at your RCA Victor dealers tomorrow. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Bill Harris. As you all know, this is the month for the March of Dimes drive. Alice is helping in her neighborhood to raise money for the National Infantile Paralysis Foundation. She's been out all morning collecting funds, and as we look in, she's just returning home. Oh, gosh, it's good to get home. I'm really tired. Phil? Phil, where are you? In my studio, dear. I'll be with you as soon as I remove my smock. <laughs> smock? And beret. Oh, I've had a grueling morning at the easel. <laughs> what are you doing with an easel? I'm doing an oil painting. I'm having an awful time. Trying to capture the beauty and gorgeous coloring of my subject is practically impossible. What are you painting? A self-portrait. <laughs> oh, you'll never be able to capture that much beauty, Phil. That takes an experienced artist. Yeah, I guess you're right. That would require a Rembrandt or a Michelangelo or a Van Gogh. Or the man who draws the cats and jamma kids. <laughs> Never mind. I think if I keep at it, I'll manage to get it myself. No, Phil, you don't know anything about painting. I don't know any... How long have you been with me, miss? <laughs> I've never told you this before, but because of my artistic ability, they wanted me to play the lead in Moulin Rouge. That's the picture about that French painter, Toulouse Lautrec. <laughs> That's too loose. Not since I had it tightened. They wanted me to play the part instead of uh, Jose Ferrer. Oh, 
because of your painting ability? No, because I've had more experience walking on my knees. <laughs> I gotta stop drinking them short beers. Bill, take that silly-looking smock off and help me count my collections for the March of Dimes. Okay, hey, by the way, how'd you do today? Well, not as well as I'd hoped. I had a goal of $1,000, and all I got was about, oh, about 800 do me a favor, Phil, and count the money while I go inside and put my slippers on. I have to turn it into the foundation this afternoon. Okay, honey, go ahead. I'll count it for you. Hey, there's quite a wad of green stuff here. I haven't had 800 bucks in my hand since lost... Come in! Hi, Curly. I... Oh, look at that chlorophyll tissue paper. <laughs> Where'd you get it and how much you got? It's $800 and I got it from Alice. Oh. What'd you do with her body? <laughs> what body? She ain't dead. This is money that she got this morning. She went from door to door collecting it. With all her dough, she goes around panhandling? <laughs> she got it for a foundation. Well, she could use a new one. She's getting a little hippie. <laughs> My wife is not hippie. She has a beautiful figure. She's just as slender as when she was 16. Well, thank you, Phil. What made you say that? I heard you sneaking up and back of me. <laughs> Hi, Alice. Hi, Elliot. Where'd you get all this money Curly's holding? Oh, I collected it this morning for the Infantile Paralysis Foundation. You did pretty good, didn't you? Not good enough. I didn't quite make my quota. I'm $200 short. Oh, don't let that bother you, Alice. I'll make my contribution to you right now. I'll give you everything I have in my pocket. There you are. What a wonderful donation. A corkscrew, a bottle opener, a folding martini glass, and a ceramic cocktail onion. <laughs> that ain't a ceramic onion. It's a plastic cherry for old fashioned. <laughs> it's a little faded from submersion. <laughs> Elliot, I appreciate this, but you know, it would help Morris if you gave some money. You just happened to mention the one thing that I'm out of. <coughs> However, I can help in another way. How? I'll contribute my talent. Alice, take the faded cherry. <laughs> hey, honey, how come you didn't make your quota? Well, I would have if it hadn't been for Miss Smith. Miss... Who's Miss Smith? Oh, she's some girl who lives in the neighborhood. You know, she got to all the men first and turned on the charm. Any man that makes a contribution, she gives him a kiss. Isn't that disgusting? <laughs> That depends <laughs> What does she look like? Oh, she's a cute red-headed model with a lovely figure But you know, I think kissing strange men is disgraceful And somebody should talk to her Alice, you're right She needs fatherly advice And somebody ought to Elliot, wait for me <laughs> Hurry up, Daddy I'm going to be right with you, Pops I'm right on Come back here, come back here, both of you if I wanted to turn on the charm and act sultry the way she does, I could get more money for the fun, too. Hey, you know how to act that way? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> By all 
I'll show you how easy it is for a woman to twist you men around her finger and get money out of you. What's this? A filthy boy. <laughs> I'm here to collect for the March of Dimes. You're going to give me a real generous donation, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> You ain't getting through to me. <laughs> now look, you great, big, handsome brute. If I were to give you a great, big kiss, would you give me a great, big contribution? <laughs> No, I wouldn't. Well, why not? Because you're my wife and this ain't gonna lead to nothing. <laughs> Try it on me, Alice. I'm a wicked. Forget about it. <laughs> Look, Alice, the trouble with you is that you just don't have a good sales pitch. Now, let me tell you something. You know what I could do? What? I could go out and in a half an hour double that $800 that you just collected. Oh, that I'd like to see. Go ahead, Big Shot. Let's see what you can do. All right, I will. Come on, Elliot. All right. You'd better leave that $800 here. No, no, honey. That's too much money to leave lying around the house. I better carry it with me. Let's go, Elliot. All right. Hey, when I turn that Harris charm on them housewives, I'll have them giving me their old man's collar buttons, stick pants, <laughs> socks, neckties. What a collection I'll have. <laughs> hey, Al. Hmm? How am I doing so far? Not bad. You've been out for two hours, you called at 30 houses, you got 42 cents. <laughs> can't understand them women turning me down. Curly, why don't you give up? Go home and give Alice back her $800 and admit she's better than you are. Never. Where I come from, they don't give up. The Nashville Nightingale has just begun to fight. <laughs> the Nashville Nightingale? Also known as the Tennessee Titwillow. <laughs> Come on, I'm going to try this house and show you that I can do it. Hey, now, Elliot, look. When this dame answers the door, I'm going to turn that Harris charm all the way up and give her a full blast. <laughs> I'm going to... You know what I'm going to do with this one? I'm going to give her my dreamy closed-eye job. <laughs> what is that? Well, that's the up-and-under kid with a Robert Mitchum float. That's... <laughs> How do you do? <clears throat> Darling, I'm here to ask you for something, and I know that you cannot refuse me. Can you? You better stand back, lady. Fire's gonna start coming out of his nose. <laughs> what can I do for you, boy? Hmm. Girl, you better open your eyes and look at this one. Okay. Look, miss, I... Oh, we! <laughs> I'll be darned. Fire oh, is really wee. coming out of me. <laughs> oh! Does he always light up like that? Well, you can't blame him. 
Hey, Curly, <laughs> isn't she the most luscious redhead you ever saw? Yeah, and so exotic. She has a mysterious type of beauty. Oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, what's your name, miss? Smith. How oriental. <laughs> That's an Indonesian name, isn't it? <laughs> Must be. The name Smith is so romantic. Yeah. Makes one think of moonlight on the Ganges. A sunset on the Taj Mahal. A rickshaw ride in Rangoon. Two bearded brothers on a cough drop box. <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. Oh, you fellows are awfully sweet to me. But tell me, why did you come over to see me? We're here to see about a donation for the March of Dimes. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm one of the collectors in this neighborhood, and I'll be glad to take anything you want to donate. <laughs> well, you see, miss, I... I'm I... sure a great, big, handsome man like you is going to give me a great, big, generous contribution. Aren't you? Hmm. <laughs> now she's getting through okay. Um <laughs> uh, Yes, yes, I'll give a little something. Oh, how much are you going to give? You beautiful curly headed rascal you. <laughs> Would a curly 800 be enough? $800? Well, that's all I have now, but I'll raise more later, dear. But here, here, go ahead and take it. Oh, thank you. For such a wonderful contribution, you get a kiss. Well, uh, if you insist. Oh, uh... I do. Here's your kiss. <laughs> this is an eight hundred dollar job. I think you're wonderful, and I want to thank you on behalf of the March of Dimes. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Isn't she a lovely thing? Yeah. I'm proud of what we just did. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. What did we just do? <laughs> we just made an $800 contribution to a beautiful red-headed girl named Smith. When Alice hears about this, she'll... she'll... <laughs> oh, back to the drums! <laughs> you realize what I've done? I just gave that money Alice collected to her rival. I gotta get it back. Girl, you can't but do I... that! When you give something to charity, you can't get it back. And besides, she ain't going to give it to you. Yeah, all right, I guess you're... But can't you understand? I can't go home without Alice's money. I got to raise $800 someplace. Now, I'll just have to go around and see if I can collect... You tried that, Curly. You'll never get it that way. You'll just have to borrow it from someone. Whom? I know a guy. <laughs> he runs a loan company. Come on, I'll take you over to see him. <laughs> Hey, Elliot, what? I don't know about borrowing money from a loan company owned by a friend of yours. 
You probably want a lot of collateral, like my house or my car or my wife. I don't... No, not this guy. He doesn't ask for anything like that. I assure you, this is a legitimate place and you have nothing to worry about. Come on, let's go in. Well, it's a cozy little cell. What kind of a place is this? Welcome to the Helping Hand Loan Company. Rogue! I don't believe I want to borrow any money from you. I don't believe anybody asked you for your opinion. <laughs> Just take the money. Don't give me any arguments. But, Grogan, I... Take it. Take it on a trial basis. You, you take the money home. You try it for two weeks. If you don't like it, you bring it back, and we will cheerfully refund your blood. <laughs> you mean I have to leave my blood as collateral? Just a gallon, you'll never miss it If I gave you a gallon of my blood, I'd be too weak to move That's the object We don't want you running around, spending our money This is ridiculous, wanting my blood I told you, Elliot, come on, let's get out of here What's the matter? Nobody leaves here without money I'll tell you what, Harris You're a friend of mine so I will let you have the money without any collateral Well, that's different, Grogan, and I appreciate that Don't mention it, it's all right Now tell me how much you want Don't be afraid to ask for as much as you need Because we have an unlimited supply of currency on hand Well, I need $800 You got it Here you are Two $400 bills <laughs> I've ever seen a $400 bill <laughs> Well, naturally not, you schnook I haven't put them on the market yet It's on new spring line <laughs> You will love the feel of our bill Here, here, just, just feel this one Go ahead Go ahead, feel it It's dry <laughs> Hey, it's nice and soft What's this bill made of? Cashmere <laughs> You gonna take it? I don't know. Elliot, do you think the March of Dimes will get suspicious if I try to give them a cashmere $400 bill? <laughs> they might. Come on, let's get out of here. So long, Grogan. We don't want to. <laughs> hey, Curly. Now how are you gonna raise the money? How know? do I know? Hey, wait a minute. I got an idea. People pay a lot of money to hear me sing, so I'll sing right here on the street corner and raise the dough in no time. You're gonna sing on the street corner? You, the Chattanooga Crow? That's Nashville Nightingale. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna sing. Now, you take my hat, pass it through the crowd, and take up a collection. Go ahead. All right. Won't you buy, pretty lady? Won't you try something new? Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy for me? Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, won't you buy for me? 
Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy from me? Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, won't you buy from me? Won't you buy, pretty lady? Won't you try something new? Won't you buy, pretty lady? They're all imported from the tropics, just especially for you. There's a little fella, always in the park, selling nuts and candy, happy as a lark, chirpy as a cricket, as he strolls along. Everybody loves him and his funny song. The peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy from me? Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, won't you buy from me? Won't you buy, pretty lady? Won't you try something new? Won't you buy, pretty lady? They're all imported from the tropics, just especially for you. The popcorn, the cracker jack, the jelly apple, won't you buy from me? Who's the peanuts, the popcorn, the cracker jack, the jelly apple? Won't you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, won't you buy from me? Won't you try, my pretty lady? Honey, won't you buy something new? Won't you try, pretty lady? They're all imported from the tropics, just especially for you. So won't you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, 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 Well, Curly, you drew a real big crown. Natch, Natch. Hey, Ellie, did you pass that hat around? Oh, yeah. How much did we get? Two Canadian pennies, a beer cap, and a summons for disturbing the peace. <laughs> well, you stopped with the kid, and I know I'd done better than that. Now, let me see the hat. I can't. Why not? Somebody stole it. <laughs> oh, we're doing great. Now we're out $800 in cash and a $3 derby. Looks like your voice ain't gonna help us. We'll have to think of something else. Hey, Curly, I got an idea. That Miss Smith raised money by selling kisses, and she did pretty good. Now, whose kisses would people pay more for than hers? Well, I... Mine! <laughs> Why, of course. My lips will put that march of dimes... Kaboom! They'll have more money than they know what to do with. <clears throat> Watch this. All right, ladies, uh, will you step in a little closer, you dolls? Right in a little closer, please. That's it, you pretty things. Ah, oh, yes, you lovely ones, you. Now, in order to raise money for the March of Dimes, I'm about to give you the opportunity of a lifetime. Now, listen closely, ladies. For the small sum of $10, you get a chance to kiss Phil Harris. How would you like to kiss Phil Harris? I'd rather kiss a sick camel. <laughs> All right, kid, don't bother me. I'm selling kisses for the March of Dimes. That ought to slow the march down to a crawl. Look, <laughs> buddy, we got no time for jokes. Now, this is for a good cause, and the least you can do is stop yakking and try to help me. Oh, I'm trying, Mr. Harris. If you're sincere, I'll be glad to help you. 
What would you want me to do? Just this. I want you to address this lovely crowd and talk them into buying kisses from me. That ain't gonna be easy. How do I go about it? Look, it's a cinch. All you gotta say is this. Step up, ladies and gentlemen. Only $10 to be kissed by Lubber Lips Harris. Got it. All right, ladies, step right up. Only $10 to be kissed by Lubber Lips Harris. <laughs> That's Lubber Lips. I ain't gonna misrepresent the merchandise. <laughs> look, kid, will you just sell my kisses? Now, look, we got a good crowd around here. Now, get just sell the kisses, will okay, you, please? Okay, okay. Ladies, this is a chance that every woman has been waiting for. A chance to kiss Phil Harris. Now then, don't rush. Are there any young women who want to be kissed by Phil Harris? <laughs> any old women? <laughs> Understand this. Gotta be something wrong with that kid's pitch. He can't sell nothing. Go ahead, Elliot, sell him. Right off. Ladies, apparently you didn't hear this astounding offer. Why, this is the chance of the century. Isn't there anybody or anything? <laughs> that wants to kiss Phil Harris? Come now, it won't hurt. We give you a Novocaine. <laughs> and then we pack your lips with dry ice. All right. Let's <laughs> sell the kisses, huh? Sell the kisses. We're trying, we're trying. Well, hey, sell maybe we got the wrong approach, Mr. Lewis. Let's try it from this angle. All right. Apparently nobody thinks it's worth ten dollars to kiss this dried up old man. <laughs> so I got a better offer. Who's willing to pay five dollars to hug him? <laughs> Two dollars to shake his hand? <laughs> How about a buck to take a poke at him? <laughs> and you can kick him a little if you want. That got him. We're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I got an even better idea. We'll let him throw baseballs at him. A splendid thought. We'll give him eight balls for a quarter. Here you are, folks. Step right up. Now, wait a minute. You ain't gonna do this. He's right, kid. We haven't got any baseballs. Julius, don't let him throw those rocks at me. Ow! Oh, oh! Quiet, Curly. This is Wait a charity. Me. Keep him let her high Wait, now. Oh! Oh! Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. You can play any record, 45, 33 and a third, or 78 RPM, automatically on RCA Victor's new three-speed Victrola attachment. The center is the secret. Your 45 records fit perfectly on the large center spindle. Records change from the center the modern 45 way. And this unique spindle slips off in a jiffy when you want to play your 33 and a third and 78 RPM records. So buy whatever record you like in the speeds and sizes you prefer and play them automatically through any radio, phonograph, or TV set on RCA Victor's new three-speed Victrola attachment. 
When you visit your dealers, listen to RCA Victor's new Glenn Miller album. It's music in the Miller Manor. Eight wonderful hit tunes, including Intermezzo and Sleepy Lagoon. Ask for Glenn Miller Concert, Volume 3, at your RCA Victor dealers tomorrow. Folks, this is Phil again. I sincerely hope that our program has served as a reminder for you to give generously to the March of Dimes. Also, my thanks to Bing Crosby and his entire organization for my invitation to the Bing Crosby Pro Amateur Golf Tournament held at Pebble Beach last week. Bing informs me that through the help of the participants and that wonderful, wonderful gallery in the Bay Area, $35,000 was raised and has been turned over to the city of Monterey and will be used to aid crippled children. Thanks, Bing, for a good job. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed were Julie Bennett and Sheldon Leonard. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Whether you're in the mood for reading or relaxing, for dancing or romancing, there's music to match it in RCA Victor's new mood music series. You'll find a choice of melodies to fit your every mood, played by outstanding artists like Hugo Winteralter, Henry René, and the Melocrino Strings. Ask your RCA Victor record dealer tomorrow for the new mood music records on extended play and long play records by RCA Victor. Next, hear Theater Guild on the air over NBC. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benning speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1942-1943 season of the Jack Benny Show. Tonight's episode brings us Jack's take on Information, Please. And Information, Please was a panel radio show that ran for 13 years. It had folks would write in and try and stump the panel, and the panel would try and answer all the questions that they had. Uh, a very intelligent panel of folks to say the least and a lot of fun when they had different guest stars on the show um, I'm pretty sure Jack was on there at least once and certainly Fred Allen was on there multiple times um, also their leading panelist was probably uh, Oscar Levant and Oscar Levant is also on tonight's show of the Jack Benning show which is cool um, Levant just reading about him on uh, on Wikipedia is fun. There's just a lot of information about him, but it, the description they give, which I love this description, was uh, he was an American pianist, composer, author, comedian, and actor. He was as famous for his mordant character and witticisms as on the radio and in movies and television, and also, of course, for his music. So... He was just had incredible gifts in so many areas. Uh, he was kicked off of television a few times for saying some uh, fairly racy remarks about Marilyn Monroe and uh, Mae West. Um, he's he was just, he's just a character. So uh, I hope that you enjoy tonight's episode with Oscar Levant. Uh, also, uh, I just I, I love listening to these these 
radio shows in that you start to understand wh- wh- who these guys were. I mean, Oscar Levant, I'm, you might have heard him a few weeks ago on Command Performance. He's been on Fred Allen's show. He's been on a lot of the different shows. And so you start to realize what um, these people were like, and you start to enjoy their guest appearances when they come up uh, on, on different shows. And I just think that's really neat, and that's a neat thing to present to you about uh, the way we do, that we travel through these years together with multiple shows in the year to, to get a real feel for a lot of the, the news events and people that were of that time. And Oscar Levant was definitely a character that everyone knew throughout the late 40s and early 50s. But um, anyway, enjoy this episode, and we will see you next time. The Grapes Nest Flakes program, coming to you from New York City, where we're playing to an audience of men on leave from the armed services and starring Jack Benny. With Mary Livingston, Dennis Day, Rochester, yours truly, Don Wilson, and our guest conductor, Abe Lyman. I met a woman today who has three sons on three different work shifts. Boy, does that big 12-ounce package of delicious toasty brown grape nuts flakes get a workout at her house with breakfast time rolling around three times a day. Yes, these days, breakfast may come at odd hours, but whenever it comes time for breakfast, it means time for crisp, toasty grape nuts flakes. A breakfast of moldy-rich grape nuts flakes is a breakfast of swell-tasting all-around nourishment. Because Grape Nuts Flakes are a whole grain cereal. Now, whole grain cereals are not only health builders, they're thrifty and plentiful. And they're whole grain because they bring you the important food essentials you find in the natural whole wheat. Vital food factors you need, including iron and two of the health-building B vitamins, niacin and B1. So get set for the breakfast shift with delicious, nourishing Grape Nuts Flakes. gentlemen for the most fantastic introduction of the year. Fantastic? I bring you a famous concert violinist who is making his debut this evening at Carnegie Hall, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Yasha Benny talking. (laughs) And folks, I'm as nervous as a pizzicato. And Don, that's the truth. I am playing my violin at Carnegie Hall tonight. But Jack, it's so fantastic. Will you stop saying that? This is a benefit for the Infantile Paralysis Fund, and I'm appearing as a soloist on the same program with Gladys Swarthout, Isaac Stern, Marjorie Lawrence, John Charles, and Thomas. 
And, um... That's John Charles Thomas. It's one man. It is? Gosh, I... I said all three of them Christmas cards. <laughs> anyway, they're, uh... There are going to be a lot more prominent artists there, including Oscar Levant. He's going to be my accompanist. I expect him to drop by and pick me up. Well, Jack, aren't you just a bit nervous appearing with so many musical celebrities? No, why should I be nervous? We all get along fine. I'm very nice to them, and they don't speak to me. <laughs> that is all but Gladys. Uh, Gladys, she thinks my playing is marvelous. Gladys Swarthout? No, Gladys Jones, her maid. <laughs> She's a cousin of Rochester's. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Why don't you grow up? Mary, what do you mean, why don't I grow up? Well, I passed Carnegie Hall just now, and what's the idea of writing your name on all the posters? I didn't write my name. It's printed. You know, I'm uh, making my debut there tonight. Gee whiz. Just think, my first appearance on the concert stage. Gosh. Too bad my old violin teacher can't be there. Too bad he shot himself during your fifth lesson. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that afternoon. I was right in the middle of da 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 ti da ti da ti da 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 ti da and bang. And I had five more lessons coming. <laughs> By the way, Mary, you're attending the concert tonight, aren't you? Uh, who else is appearing? Well, there's Gladys Jones. I mean, Swarthout. <laughs> Isaac Stern, John Charles Thomas. John Charles Thomas. Yeah. You know, Jack, that always sounds funny to me, a man with three first names. Yep, John Charles Thomas. Incidentally, it's not commonly known, but I have three first names, too. That's right, Jack Jerk Benny. <laughs> That's Jack John Benny. And speaking of unusual names, oh, say Don. Yes, Jack. Uh, come here a minute. This'll kill you. What do you think... This will positively amaze you, but it's the truth, you know. What do you think Fred Allen's middle name is? What? Florence. <laughs> Fred Florence Allen, imagine. Well, why in the world did his parents ever name him Florence? Well, I'll give you a hint, Don. Allen didn't shave until he was 33 years old. <laughs> In fact, he, he still wears his garters above his knees. <laughs> hey. hey, Mervyn Doris is in the audience. <laughs> no kidding. Huh? You should talk about Alan. I saw a picture of you when you were 15 years old and you were playing with dolls. Well, I still have a couple of dolls on my lap now and then, sister. They're still full of sawdust, too. Well, that's the cattiest remark I've ever heard. Uh, speaking of cats, whatever became of that girl you were engaged to? Speaking of cats, what girl? Uh, the one with the big grin and the whiskers. Now, cut that out. You're having a jolly time tonight, aren't you? Hey, Mr. Benny, is it all right if I take my girl to... Oh, hello. Hello, Dennis. Hello. What did you want, kid? I said, is it all right if I take my girl to your concert at Carnegie Hall? Well, sure, Dennis. Is she a music lover? Is she? She's got a short thumb from pushing nickels in jukeboxes. <laughs> well, she... <laughs> well, she... 
She does like music. Uh, where does your girlfriend live, Dennis? If I knew where she lived, I wouldn't be wasting my time at a concert. <laughs> well, you'll enjoy it, Dennis. There are a lot of great artists on the program. There's uh, Jean Pierce, uh, Ezio Pinza, Joseph and Rosina Levine, Deans Taylor. Yeah, and don't forget John Charles and Thomas. Uh, wait a minute, I, I made that same mistake It's John Charles Thomas, Dennis Holy smoke, has he got four names? Dennis is you Oh In the blue you. suit here What? In the blue suit here Yes, yes <laughs> Well, Ken <laughs> Oh, brother <laughs> Well, Ted, uh, speaking of John, Charles, and Thomas, uh, how about a song from you, huh? Okay, but I'll never top him. So what? For heaven's sake, I don't expect to top Heifetz. Aw, oh, Jack, you're just being modest. You're as good as Heifetz any day. What? You don't think they'd let you play in Carnegie Hall unless you were one of the world's greatest violinists. Well, that's a lovely compliment. Thanks, Mary. You're welcome, it also says here. <laughs> Don't spoil it. You always have to do that. Huh? Well, I don't know about anyone else, but personally, I think Mr. Benny is one of the finest violinists of this earache. That's era. <laughs> earache. Well, there's two compliments shot. To... Oh, well. Sing, Dennis, and let's get on with the show. Huh? Wait a minute. Come in. Telegram for Jack Benny. Take it, Mary. Wait a minute, buddy. Here's a tip for you. Oh, boy, a half a dollar. Hmm. No use waiting. I got to get new glasses. <laughs> who's the uh, Who's the wire from, Mary? Uh, it's from your father. A oh, good old dad. Uh, what does he say? Uh, dear son, congratulations on your appearance in Carnegie Hall tonight. Please let me know how your full dress suit goes over. <laughs> he made me a beauty, folks. The tails change color like a peacock. <laughs> Uh, sing, Dennis. Well, I'll probably get plugged for this, but I got a cold. All right, do the best you can. What do you care? Crazy little Free On a dream 
one too many Oh, I'll give my dream to you Dreams are one From the picture Powers Girl, sung by Dennis Day. And Dennis, that's one of the numbers you sing in the picture, isn't it? Yes, sir. You ought to see it, Mr. Benny. I play the part of a fellow who has more money than brains. Oh, oh. It's sure hard to act like you got money, by golly. <laughs> well, I, I imagine it is. Oh, hello, Abe. Hiya, Jack. Abe Lyman, fellas. <laughs> All right, Abe, stop shaking hands over your head like a prize fighter. What a character. Hey, before I forget it, Jack, congratulations. I hear you're going to play at uh, Canarsie Hall tonight. <laughs> no use talking. Phil Harris is a genius. <laughs> That's Carnegie Hall on 57th Street. By the way, Ever, you coming to the concert? I'd like to, Jack, but that highbrow music gives me a rash. A what? A rash. Oh. Speaking of highbrow music, Jack, I've written a message which includes the names of various operas, concealed in a very clever manner. <laughs> oh, fine. Last week it was birds, now it's operas. Yeah. Huh? Well, now, see if you can pick them out, Jack. The operas? Yes. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Faust thing tomorrow morning, go into your kitchen and have a dish of toasty brown sweet as a nut grape nuts flakes. I know they're good because I eat of them every day. <laughs> Well, there's Faust and Aida. Whether you live in a white house, a red house, or a tanhauser... Tanhauser? <laughs> you'll love America's fastest-growing flake cereal. So remember, folks, even if you're feeling lowen, you will grin with Grape Nuts Flakes. <laughs> Poor Lowen grin really got dragged in there. But, Don, that was all right. I'll see that you get a raise for that. But, Jack, with the new ceiling on salaries, you can't give raises. Yes, sir. And now, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> Uh, go away, Don. Go away. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction this evening, we are going to present a gripping drama of the Old South, entitled... Hey, Mr. Benny, I was out in the hall just now, and there's oh, a... Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Hey, Mr. Benny, I was out in the hall just now, uh, How are you a... feeling, kid? Oh, I was here before, remember? Oh, oh, yes, yes, that's right, in the blue suit. I... Uh... Uh, what do you want, Dennis? Well, there's a man waiting for you out in the hall, and he says for you to hurry up. The man out in the hall. Oh, that must be Oscar Levant. Come on in, Oscar. Hello, Jack. Are you all ready? Yes, I'm ready to go. Well, Oscar, I see you're prepared to accompany me on the piano tonight. Do you always wear those white gloves? These are my hands. I just came from the blood bank. Oh. <laughs> Very good. I'll have to watch out for this guy. He's sharper than a buck tooth. Huh? <laughs> uh, I'll be through here in a few minutes, Oscar. Then we'll hop in a cab and go over to Carnegie Hall. Just think, Benny and Levant playing a duet. Let's walk. Maybe we'll get run over before we get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's all right. I got to be on my toes, dear. This guy's making a monkey out of me. Oh, by the way, Oscar, I think you know everybody here, don't you? Sure. Oh, Mary, didn't I see you at the store club last night? The store club? Yes, you were dancing with that South American. Oh, that was Jack with a black toupee. I was in bed by 10 o'clock last night. Although I couldn't sleep, I was so nervous thinking about our concert tonight. You were nervous. My wife had to pull me off the windowsill three times. <laughs> I gotta watch out. He's an ad-living fool, you know? <laughs> oh, Oscar, I don't think you know Abe Lyman, our band leader. I've known Abe for years. Sure, we sat together at Rubens last night. Say, Oscar, you know, there's a pretty good uh, bowl of soup I drank. You didn't drink that soup. You auditioned it. <laughs> you beat me to it, Oscar I was just going to ad-lib something like that <laughs> Honest, I was You couldn't ad-lib a sneeze with a nose full of pepper I couldn't, eh? Well, go ahead and say something Go ahead, ad-lib Well? Go ahead, say something funny Well, uh... Well... This seems to be a good time to say hello to my mother Hello, Mom! <laughs> Well, I could say something funny, but how can I think with that darn Dennis Day standing there staring at me? Well, that sweat rolling down your forehead fascinates me. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that hard. Well, anyway, Oscar, stick around. I'll be with you in a minute. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as I start to announce, we're going to do a satire on one of radio's most intelligent and popular programs. Information, please. Wait a minute. You said we were going never to mind, do... Never mind, never mind. And we have prevailed upon Mr. Oscar Levant to come over here this evening and be our guest expert. I come over here to pick you up and take you to Carnegie Hall. Well, for heaven's sake, Oscar, as long as you're here, let's have some fun. It's a small enough favor to ask me after I got you on that concert. You got me on? Yes. You better lay off that Benzedrine, brother. <laughs> All right, be a sport. I certainly can't do a program like Information, Please, with dopes like Abe Lyman and Dennis Day. And you. And me. Now cut that out. <laughs> Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, right after a number by Abe Lyman and his orchestra, we'll present our own version of the... I'll take it. That must be Rochester. I told him to bring my full-dress suit over here. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. <laughs> yes, Rochester? I'm just leaving the hotel, boss. I've got your top hat, white tie, and tail. That's tail. Tail! One of them got caught in the elevator. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'll, I'll certainly look funny playing my violin in Carnegie Hall with one tail. You might as well face it, boss. You're going to look funny anyway. <laughs> well, that's one of the most careless things I ever heard. I guess I'll have to wear my tuxedo. Your tuxedo? Yes. Did you press it like I told you to? Well, I pressed the coat all right, but I had a long phone call during the pants. <laughs> oh, so you left the hot iron on my pants. Where'd you burn them? I think the French word is derriere. <laughs> well, I'll be... Well, what am I going to do? I can bring along some black paint. <laughs> Never mind that. I'll just have to be careful how I take my bow. Oh, wait a minute. I have another idea. I think I'll wear my blue serge suit. That blue serge is awful shiny, boss. It is not shiny. I wish I had a diamond that threw off a glare like that. Look, Rochester, no excuses. You get over here right away with my blue serge suit. Goodbye. Goodbye, boss. 
Sorry, Oscar, I'll have to wear a blue serge suit tonight. Will that be all right? Sure, I'm wearing a leopard skin myself. <laughs> Very good. What a guy. He's really on the beam. Play, Lima. was I Can't Give You Anything But Love. Sorry, Abe, we had to cut this kind of short, but that was I Can't Give You Anything But Love played by Abe Lyman and his Hotel Lincoln Orchestra. Hey, that's a good one. Abe at the Lincoln. I don't get it. Who asked you to? Be thankful you got a plug. <laughs> and now, Don, I think it's about time for, uh... Now, who's that? Come in. Yes, sir? Is this a Jack Benny program? I'm supposed to be in your play tonight. Oh, yes, you were going to be the villain. Uh, what's your name? Joe Besser. Messer? No, Besser! <laughs> oh, well, I'm... Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Besser. We're not doing a play this evening. Now, wait a minute. I want to act! All right, calm down. I'll find something for you to do. You better, you old crazy you. <laughs> Sit down, please. All right, Don, let's get started. And now, folks, we bring you our version of information, please, with that noted raconteur, lecturer, and book reviewer of the Breeders' Gazette, Clifton Bennyman. Thank you. Thank you, Milton Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you all know the rules of information, please. I will read several questions submitted by our listeners. And for each question which is not answered by our board of experts, we will give away a page from the Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> and one grape nut flake. Are the grape nut flakes here, Mr. Wilson? Yes, sir. The registers are loaded. Good. Now, I'd like to have you meet our board of experts. First, Mr. Oscar Levant, noted pianist or pianist. Which is it, Oscar? Pianist or pianist? What's the difference? After tonight, I may be washed up. <laughs> I gotta watch this guy, he's dynamite. <laughs> and next, Miss Mary Livingston, well-known authority on poetry. Have you a sample for us, Miss Livingston? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Shining up above so high, don't you know there's a dim out? Very, very good. And now, Mr. Abe Lyman, noted authority on Shakespeare and literary light. There's a dim out there, too. <laughs> you said it. Mr. Dennis Day, world-famous authority on... On what? And last but not least... <laughs> sit down, Dennis. Sit down. Mr. Joe Besser, authority on archaeology, ichthyology, and paleontology. Well, get him! <laughs> and now, folks, we will proceed... You old crazy you! <laughs> Mr. Besser! We will proceed with information, please. Our, <laughs> Our first question comes from Miss Bernice Butterball of Baked Potato, Idaho. Miss <laughs> Butterball wants to know if you can name three presidents of the United States whose names begin with W. 
Well, I see you have your hand raised, Mr. Day. That's nerves. It just blew up. <laughs> well, don't, uh... Don't you know a president whose name begins with W? Will you give me a hint? Yes. So who was the Washington Monument named after? George Monument. <laughs> That's right, George Monument, Washington. And now let's have another president beginning with W. Wendell Wilkie. <laughs> Wilkie didn't win, Mr. LeBan. Well, he's working, that I know. I gotta watch that boy. He's making a straight man out of me. And now second, a president whose name begins with W. I'm waiting. Ah, Mr. Besser, I see you have your hand up. Oh, it's not for that. <laughs> Like this butterball has stumped the expert. <laughs> so we are sending her immediately a page from the Encyclopedia Britannica and a grape nut plate. Now here's a letter. Here's a letter. Here's a letter from Dr. Bert Scott of Beverly Hills, California. Dr. Scott is a dentist, and he says, Dear Mr. Benny, I have written and written, and if you don't remit promptly, I will. <laughs> Oh, here's a question from Mr. Joe Jackson of Jackson, Georgia. Mr. Jackson wants to know what the following girls have in common. Joan Crawford, Joan Leslie, Joan Bennett, Joan Fontaine... Oh, shut up! Not so fast! <laughs> oh, pardon me. You should know this, Miss Livingston. What have the following movie stars in common? Joan Crawford, Joan Leslie, Joan Bennett, and Joan Fontaine. None of them will work with you. <laughs> That's so. Well, thanks to your levity, Miss Livingstone, we have lost another page from the encyclopedia and a grape nut plate. Now, here's, here's a question in your field, Mr. Levant. Incidentally, you haven't gotten anything tonight. You're referring to money, of course. <laughs> I'm referring to answers. Now, I'm going to play a musical selection, and I want you to identify the number. A second. Mr. Besser, please. Now, I'll play it again. <laughs> I'll play it again, Mr. Levant, and see if you can identify it. Now, what's the name of that number? Its name is Mud. It used to be Souvenir. <laughs> it's still Souvenir. Now, I'll give you one more chance. To oh, boss! Boss! Fine, what do you want, Rochester? Look what time it is. You gotta get over to that concert. That's right, it's getting late. Did you bring my blue serge suit? Here it is. Wait a minute, that's my green suit. It was blue when you bought it. Well, it's too late to change it now. Come on, Oscar, let's walk over to Carnegie Hall. Yep, the last mile. Oh, don't be so pessimistic. Play, Lyman, come on. proud parent gets a mighty shock when a youngster shoots up overnight. Mom sees little Tommy playing with his blocks and then first thing you know, Tommy's curls are gone and behold, 
He's a man. Well, not so long ago, Grape Nuts Flakes was just a little shaver, and now, why, just in the past three years, the increase in your purchase of Grape Nuts Flakes has been more than that of all the other ready-to-eat cereals put together. And there's a reason. In fact, two big reasons. First, it's that sweet-as-a-nut, malty-rich flavor. And it's that grand all-around nourishment. For Grape Nuts Flakes, being a whole-grain cereal, bring you vital food factors of natural whole wheat. That means they're one of the eight types of basic foods recommended as part of your daily diet by our national nutrition program. So join the swing to better breakfast by asking for delicious, nutritious Grape Nuts Flakes, America's fastest-growing breakfast cereal. That was the last number of the 16th program of the new Grape Nuts Flakes series. And I want to thank Oscar Levant for appearing here tonight and also Joe Besser, one of the stars of the Olsen and Johnson hit, Sons of Fun. Next Sunday night, folks, we'll be broadcasting from Fort Meade, Maryland. And tomorrow, we'll be seeing you boys of the Coast Guard at Manhattan Beach. With my whole gang, with my whole gang, including Danny Kaye, the star of Let's Face It. Good night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> 